Hello and welcome to the e-commerce playbook podcast. My name is Andrew Ferris and I am so glad you've joined me again today. On the e-commerce playbook podcast, we are talking about, as always, the ongoing story of what it is like to run an e-commerce holding company, 4x400, the company that I get the pleasure and privilege of leading. We have six brands in our portfolio. That's a little tip off. We haven't talked really about the sixth brand yet, so that, that'll that'll come soon. But we officially have six brands, and uh, and this week we will be continuing the story of Thirty One Bits, the jewelry company we acquired just a few months ago, trying to prove viability and walking through what it's like to take a brand from early stages after acquisition to really getting it launched and acquiring customers and uh, and growing at the pace that we want when uh, from from when we acquired it. So this week I'm going to be talking a little bit more about really kind of showing doing an episode I was hoping to not have to do again this week because there's some slowdown once again. This time it is not so much performance related though. I'm going to jump in and tell you all about it right now. All right, well, like I said in the intro, um, this is not the episode that I wanted to be recording. By now in the story of 31 Bits, getting it off the ground, I really wanted to be telling you all about how uh, you know we've sort of proven viability and, um, and, and we're just kind of moving and firing. And the reality is that in some ways we've started to do that. Uh, we've started to show some things that are working. We're getting to this sort of, like I said, sort of three to $500 a day ad spend um, on old products, basically. And we're getting towards this uh, this area where we can comfortably be at a sort of a one and a half to two prospecting uh, at around three to $500 a day in ad spend. Uh, excuse me, one and a half to two prospecting ROAS. And, and it's hard to say exactly where we're at because the sample size is still so small that it's tough to lock that in, but we're right around there. And if we could be there at this stage of things, I, I would say that would be a really, really good sign. We'd be a couple tweaks away from really getting to that sort of thousand dollar a day spend plus to where you can start imagining some scale happening here. <clears throat> um, again, you know, kind of aiming at a two to one ROAS as the as the baseline way of doing this. So, um, so that's what I was hoping for. We started to chip away and we'd get there, and we've slowed down, and um, and the and we're still, you know, a little comfortably over a one ROAS in our total ad spend. But the reason we've slowed down is not actually because of performance. It's it's something trickier than that. And I'll tell you, it's something that really caught me off guard, um, and I just didn't think very well about in advance. And it's this. We found an ad that worked, and as these things tend to go, the ad, because it was focused on a particular product, the ad drove lots of sales to two products. The, the ad actually features two different uh, products, a ring and a, um, a cuff, a bracelet. And, um, and, and the ring generates a lot of the revenue off this ad. So um, now, it's not to say it's the only ads ever going to work, but it's the first one we found. So we immediately wanted to start scaling it and really seeing kind of what we had here. How far could this this take us where we're at? And um, and as we're kind of working on other ads, other products, ordering new products, building out the total collection, like all those kinds of things, we're trying to see where this ad will get us. But there's this problem with this, which is, uh, and this is so often the case in the early stage of one of these businesses. Um, what we didn't realize was going to be happening was that when we hit on an ad, we would be selling lots of one product, but we had not ordered inventory towards any one particular hero product. Now, my hope is that for 31 bits, we don't really ever land on like one hero product. This is a jewelry company. The idea here is that we'd be selling lots of different SKUs. One hero product would be 
sort of a bad sign for the brand, I think. But at this stage of things, it, this should not be surprising to me. And um, and and I, and I think I'm so I sort of kick myself. This is one of those things that when you're operating, you know, you've been around enough brands like I have, like I. Uh, at this point, I should have known this is how this would go, but I just didn't think about it. Um, and even if I had, I don't know really that there was a great way to predict what product it would have been. I think we have, we have, we certainly have developed at least 25 um, or maybe 26 now pieces of create individual pieces of creative, feet basically um, distinguished by showing different products, right? So almost all of those are showing in some way different products as the lead-in. And what we're finding is that the behavior from the customer is click on the ad with interest in the product that's featured in the ad. And then, and then even if we send them to a collection page, they go find that product on the collection page uh, that, they had, that they had clicked on the ad uh, or that they had seen the ad. Uh, and then they go and buy that product. So what's happening is we're seeing this one ad where you're seeing these you know, same really good leading indicator metrics, high click-through rate with um, good quality customers that so far as we can tell, you know, and and starting to see people buying at, at a ROAS that we like. And again, it's not like everything is fixed and perfect, but we're seeing some basic things there. And in all of that, people are going and buying these products. And so so what happened was we immediately sold out of two of our ring sizes. I think we're, we're sold out of two ring sizes now. Um, and, and so now we're immediately having to go extrapolate from this very small sample of like, okay, what is the distribution of rings that we're gonna be selling here in terms of sizes? And, and because of our background with Kalo, I know what I expect the d distribution of ring sizes to be. Uh, Kalo, QALO, the, the silicone wedding ring company that I was a or part of in the early stages and still connected to in some ways. I know exactly what the distribution of female ring purchases are. Ours so far is different than that. Typically women are buying six sizes six and seven, at least Kalo customers are, uh, 31, 31 bits customers. There's a little, a lot more size eight in there and I have no idea why that is. I don't know if, uh, I really, it's hard to say and hard to speculate and it could just be small samples, but it's this really difficult thing. And this is the point that I wanna make is that it's really hard at this stage of the game with so little data, so little inventory, so little ad spend, and I'm not sitting on a giant war chest of cash here, so I can't just go spend into oblivion and say like, okay, I'll just figure it out and, and get a bunch of data really fast and go. No, I'm sort of stuck on this information that I have and learning little by little. And there's a, that creates a problem. So first of all, it means I've stocked out of some products. And of course I can capture email addresses on the PDP and do all that stuff so that I can hopefully sell over time. And it turns out that our lead time is only a couple weeks with our manufacturer. Our manufacturer actually likes to work in small batches in this case, um, you know, specific to the way that um, our manufacturer in Bali treats their people, there's a few things related to that. So this actually works okay. So we're not gonna be out of stock for a long time here. But if you're out of stock of your most popular ring size on your most popular product, and it's your most popular ring size by a lot, that hurts your ROAS, right? So we are basically seeing about $500 a day in revenue now on the site at a little worse than a two to one MER. And we're seeing a lot of other good signs come around that and we're still spending at that like less than one and a half ROAS because we know that some of those people are gonna come back when we restock, et cetera. But it just sucks. It just, I feel like I've, this is the, this is really what it comes down to. First of all, it's a cash problem, okay? So the longer 31 bits goes and it doesn't make money, and we've been talking about this for a long time now, right, months. You might even be bored of it <laughs> like at this point, right? But the longer it goes, the more it creates a real cash problem because 
I've got people hired against this brand and 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 uh, and I've got um, other resources, you know, software and and all those things. And and those things it's not like I'm like, you know, I don't, don't like have a huge team or anything, but there is cost there in real ways and at some and at some point that brand needs to go from a giant money loser for us to a to a money winner because otherwise we'll be in some trouble. Now, I think this is a short-term problem, but the longer we go and do this, the more the cash outlay is, and the less that, uh, and this is part of the deal here, as somebody who acquired this brand and thought about the cost of acquisition relative to the sort of cost of buying the brand, one thing that I undervalued when, when 4x400 bought this brand is the cost of operating it at a loss for a while. I just didn't factor that into the sort of total bet we were making when we bought 31 bits. Um, we bought the majority of 31 bits, if that makes sense. That is, the actual cost of acquisition here is, and this is probably sort of obvious in some ways, but I, I just wasn't thinking about it very well. The actual cost of acquisition here um, was more than the cost of formally the, the acquisition of the brand. It's actually cost a bunch of money to operate at a loss for a while uh, in our model, okay? So the longer we drag that out, the more cost there is that we just didn't see coming. And I think we're gonna be fine, but, um, but it could be a problem if we keep dragging this out, if we keep having these kinds of problems. So that's that's one of the issues. Another issue that we're running into now is we're getting closer and closer to holiday all the time. And so we need to know what's gonna work and be able to test and move faster and, and all those kinds of things. And so that's actually a big challenge here. Um, and, and the other thing is it's just a momentum killer in this way that really sucks. It just, I just didn't wanna be doing that. I wanna start moving towards really being able to make money and get energy around it, all those kinds of things. And and now I'm just kind of stuck going like, ugh, gosh. Plus, of course, people, there will be runoff traffic from the uh, ads, from, from people clicking on ads featuring one product and going and buying other products instead, but now I can't see where that is. And in the midst of all of that, there's one other problem, which is that we're finding that we're not very easily able to supplement our um, past, uh, or we're not able to supplement our new customer revenue very well with uh, revenue from past customers, at least at this point, without offering a lot of discounts. 31 bits for a long time was running lots of regular discounting. It made total sense for where the brand was at in terms of the price point in the jewelry setting that 31 bits was at. But that means that unless we start going and running lots of discounts, though we have a good size email list and social following, it just seems to me something or that we're not really gonna be able to make any revenue. We've sent, sent emails featuring new product, we've done all these kinds of things, and it just hasn't worked very well. So the point is, in the midst of what looked like there was some momentum that I was telling you about last week, there's an immediate another stall. And it's frustrating and it creates cash constraints and uh, and all these issues. And, and really it's hard to know how we would have gone and done differently at this point. We didn't have the inventory to test this earlier and to test lots of different products and to go figure out you know what people were gonna bite on at the ad level and what was gonna work from an acquisition level at the early stage. And of course, Again, there's so much marketing left to be done in front of us that will generate more of this, um, hopefully generate more interest in the brand, create more interest in the brand instead of just rely on people thinking a particular piece is beautiful. But uh, but today, right, that's this is just where we're at. Uh, and so this is the challenge. Uh, and, and I think that the kind of takeaway here is that there is a slow start if you are in the new stage of this sort of thing where you just don't know what's gonna happen until it happens. This is with product launches, this is with brand acquisitions, with startups for yourself. Like until you start moving 
it's really hard to move, if that makes sense, because you don't get information, or if you get information, you sell out of a product really fast, and now you're stuck waiting until you get more of that product in, and there was no way for you to know that that was the product you were gonna sell out of. It's really challenging, it's really frustrating. You probably need to be baking that into your own projections, into your own future thinking about how much money you're gonna make, and when you're gonna make it, and how much it's gonna cost you to get there, um, because this sort of stuff is frustrating, and it's bumps in the road, and it slows down, but the actual reality is, when I play this back to how this is working, versus most of the brand experiences I've been around, they have all gone this way. It's a normal part of it. So I'm not really worried at this point about the long term. In fact, I feel the best I've ever felt about it because of some of the data that we have. Um, the fundamental operating idea for it for 100, I would say in some ways, it all is reinforcing that this still makes sense. But in the short term, it's a challenge. And uh, it's a challenge that we have to work through. All right, that is it for this week. Uh, I uh, have a couple things that I wanna, I wanna hit really fast. One of them is, uh, this inventory thing is, if I just kinda step back and reflect, it's so strange. It's such a big part of the sort of e-commerce startup world. Inventory projection is so, so hard. Um, and uh, and I, I'm just, I kinda wonder what, what I'm not, what I'm missing there, what I'm not thinking about very well. I, I think some more cash would really help make this easier. But I don't know if I really want to make it easier. The constraint can be really valuable in some ways and can, can force a new set of problems to be solved. So it's just a back and forth. But it's just a thing that we come up with, come up, come up against all the time. You've, you've heard me talk about this now with lots of different brands, certainly in the midst of coronavirus. But, um, you know, almost all of them, maybe all of them at some point I can think of where we've hit this kind of thing, where it was just sort of unpredictable in this stage of the business. We have much less of these problems outside of something like coronavirus. Um, then uh, for for our for particularly for slick products and for FC goods when it's not holiday, um, then we then we do for the younger brands brands and once they kind of stabilize out of the initial growth launch stage, then it becomes a lot easier to predict this. But man, for the first year plus, if you're seeing success at the ad level, it is just really really hard. So if that's you, hang in there. The other thing I want to say is I wanted to start seeing if there were questions. I haven't solicited email questions from anybody, but I was thinking that. I know what happens. I was thinking about the episodes I do with Taylor and some of that. I know what happens when I start talking with Taylor. He says something and it spurs a thought in me and then that spurs a thought back in him. And so I wouldn't be surprised if I say something and you go, huh, I wonder about or what about or in my business or whatever. So if you have questions, maybe maybe I'll start doing some email shows um, and uh, just occasionally hit maybe a bonus episode or something like that. Email me at podcast at 4x400.com. I would uh, love to see them. And if there's any way, maybe I can be helpful to you. That would be awesome. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so thanks for hanging in there. As always, rate review. We appreciate those things so much. And, uh, and thanks for listening.